Jason Richardson, what's up, man? Man, just uh, another day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, for those people who are listening or watching who don't know, you are the sheriff of DeSoto Parish here Absolutely. in North Louisiana. Um, and that comes with a lot, man. So uh, how long have you been active in that position now? Uh, so I've been the sheriff since March of 2018. Okay. Damn, um, I can't believe it's been that long yeah, already. It's, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's flown by. Um, yeah, we uh, – the our my previous sheriff uh, that I served as the chief deputy under retired in March of 18, and uh, I had the, the privilege of, of taking over uh, as the interim sheriff and then, of course, ended up obviously running for the position and, and was elected that same year. And then the next year was the um, actual – normal election and uh, i went on a post that term so gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it's been a it has definitely been a fast five years yeah i didn't i didn't realize it'd been that long i just, I, just like yesterday i feel like i remember you, you were running you know right um but yeah man so y'all have done a lot that's one to talk about and you and i've talked a couple times uh, between since then but um not doing this um you've done a lot in this short amount of time and um what i like about your guys department is um you it's like you have, first off, you have a huge presence online. Sure. Um, your marketing's done well, and you you are basically almost a utility for everyone in that area. Right. You know, aside from you doing your normal daily duties, which you're supposed to do, but you're also providing these other services. Let's just dive into that. Sure. Yeah, so, you know, I, I kind of recognized, um, well, I guess first to, to, to kind of establish why that was of importance and yeah. why, why, why you, you, you recognize that as – um, you know, I, I'm, I'm 40 currently, uh, when I became the sheriff in, in, uh, 18, I was 35 youngest sheriff in the history of the parish and still currently the youngest, uh, youngest sheriff in the state, uh, not ever, but the youngest currently serving and have been for the last five years. So, you know, not saying that as, as, uh, some, uh, accolade of mine, but, right. but to make the point of, you know, I come up from the age of. Uh, as a kid, I had an Atari. Ataris had come out, you yeah. know, and then of course the prog- progression from there, uh, y- you know, just in the computer age, uh, you know, that was, you know, I got my first computer at 12 years old and uh, have, have, you know, had just been in technology ever since. Uh, and then in uh, one part of my career from about 2009, 2013, 14, uh, I was in technology, I actually worked, uh, had, was credentialed by the FBI, worked uh, crimes against children, which basically were uh, technology-related crimes. And so, you know, that just to build that as my background of technology is something that I recognize the importance of, and I also I'm not afraid of it right? because I understand yeah. it. And so, again, as the social – I personally started our social media page at sort of Parish Sheriff's Office in 2008, I believe, and, and what's you know, what you started it with nothing. Yeah, it and was what? Just how a many? Page. How many people are utilizing that now? Uh twenty, probably twenty-seven thousand. Yeah, and yeah. that's what's what's good, or I guess what's noted notable about that is that we have uh, roughly twenty-seven thousand people on our census in the parish. So, yeah, you know, which obviously everybody doesn't have Facebook. So we're that means we have a reach beyond. Uh, our parish with our followers, but also I would say that, you know, we're uh, by far of any entity within the, our parish, we have the biggest reach yeah. uh, to, to touch the public with whatever message that may be. So 
I started our page in, in 2008, 2009. And I mean, you got to think back that far that like you're just coming off of the MySpace yeah. times and into Facebook. That was kind of a new thing. And uh, we started uh, back then. We were actually doing, uh, it wasn't as much informational, uh, but a lot of our wanted uh, individuals we were posting online. And we literally made several hundred arrests via Facebook, which back then that was like some big, today that's just how things are done. But back then, that was a pretty big deal. Yeah. And even to the point we had an Asian um, news group come interview our agency about like how that was working, the success of that, and uh, you know, and that was that was back then. So we progressed that, managed that, and I wasn't quite the sheriff uh, then. I was uh, probably the chief deputy at that point, but uh, I'd spoken to the previous sheriff about. Uh, basically, you know, let's, we need to brand ourselves. You know, that's a, it's as important for any agency as it is any business in success and consistent messaging and, and all of those things that, uh, you know, I'd approached him and, and said, Hey, here's, here's kind of what I think and you know, what I see. And, and, and I kind of know the, the, I know a few people that I think could help us get that yeah. done. And, uh, and, you know, to his credit, and he, he was kind of like that most of my career, if you bring him, a, a problem and a solution, I mean, he would kind of, you know, make it work, you know. And so uh, I went out and uh, recruited our current guy, uh, which is Mark Pierce. He's our PIO guy, but he manages our Facebook and all of our presence that you see digitally. He yeah. manages all of that. And, and certainly you could see how that has graduated just so far uh, just with his ability to create um, you know, the visuals and things like that and all that consistent, you, you can, you can certainly see, uh, the change in that, but I actually recruited him on the Buffalo river. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was a youth pastor at the time and, uh, literally floated up beside him and made a proposition. And, uh, and so a, a while later he called me and, uh, you know, wanted to talk about it more seriously. And so he's, you know, that's been five years ago actually the day he started was the day that was uh, sheriff arbuckle's last day okay uh so uh, you know that's that was was a huge piece of that branding ourselves and being consistent and understanding the metrics so that your reach is wide and and useful and 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 but not overusing it so that you become something that people aren't paying attention to you know using it in a way that's positive a way that actually gets you feedback and interaction uh, with the public. And then, you know, for us, it seems as if we have created that, like we are the, in our area, we're the source of information that yeah. people look to, to find out details, uh, which comes with a pretty big burden, you know, cause uh, that that's, if you're the source, then you're expected to be providing the information. And, and uh, you know, so it's, it does come with a burden uh, because you have to be, you know, it doesn't matter what time of the day or night uh, they're coming to you and they want you know, they're looking for that answer. And so, yeah, you, know. you take on a lot of responsibility. You kind of, you know, but you ask for it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Whereas most other people in your position don't do that. You know, they just don't, it hasn't, it hasn't taken off. You know, I know, I, I know that like people post wanted stuff and stuff, and that, but that even still, you guys have been doing it so long that only recently ha started happening around here and other, and right. other departments that I've seen, you know, um, but what you guys have done, it's just something that, you know, I think stands out. And, and not only 
not only on the, the marketing side of it, but I guess this is another piece of the marketing, but more like the hands-on stuff. So like everyone talks about your vehicles. Everyone talks about your officers. How many deputies work for you now? 162. 162 deputies. And every single one of those people that you see are presentable and they all seem to be in somewhat physically fit, you know, and able to do their job, you know, and um, the, the equipment's there. I feel like, the, you know, everything's there and like, that's another thing I want to talk about because there's so many departments that's not the case. You know, whether it be, you know, I, a lot of people always use the excuse not funded, right? But I'm sure you have some kind of rebuttal to that. Well, so I, I guess one, you know, to be fair is is we are, our agency is, is, you know, there are very few agencies in the country, I would say, that are as blessed as our agency right. is because of the economics of our parish and uh, particularly natural gas and just things that have taken place that have put our agency in a place that very few people, um, you know, find themselves in, which is with surplus mm-hmm. uh, funding. And, and there's things, you know, you, it's hard to compare Louisiana sheriffs particularly to any other sheriff just because of we are different in the way we're funded, uh, different than any other uh, sheriff in the country. Okay. Well, yeah, let's lay that out. Cause I had no sure. idea. Uh, and so most other sheriffs go to, they have a County commission or in Arkansas, it's a quorum court that determines what their budget is every year. Mm-hmm. So basically the sheriff presents a budget and people who are not necessarily in public safety determine what is, what they're going to fund that year. And they're also determining between how many roads you're going to be fixed and, you know, all of those different types of things. And so, uh, you know, that's, that is how they are funded in Louisiana. We are not funded that way. We do a lot of stuff wrong in Louisiana, but one of the things that in my opinion we do right is sheriffs are, are statutorily and constitutionally funded that we get a certain percentage of the collected property tax gotcha. in the parish for public safety, just as the school does and the police juries, right. uh, you know, we get our piece. Now, if the tax base shrinks, they can't put that all on public safety. They can't shrink just public safety. Everybody has to shrink accordingly. Gotcha. And so because of that, um, you know, we have just, for example, had the Haynesville shell and our natural gas find happened in Texas or Arkansas or any of those other states. Well, that surplus of money that we have would not be in the pockets of law enforcement. It would have been in the pocket of the county government and may have never found its they, way. And they would have had to propose, hey, we need extra additional right. funds. Okay, yeah. And so that's where we're different is we're given our, just like you are at home, when you get your paycheck, we have to figure out how we live within that those means. And, you know, if if we do better, then, you know, we can expand our abilities. And, and, and you know, or at home, you're obviously expanding, you know, you could have a nicer car to drive or you could, you know, you get to decide right, those right. things. Well, a lot of those sheriffs don't have that opportunity. Um, and so that's to preface all that and say that we were very fortunate, uh, which is one of the reasons that, um, that we've been able to do a lot of the things that we do because without funding, it is hard to recruit, uh, without paying a, 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 a decent wage, but that's not all that, that is not the only key. You can pay whatever you want. And if you can't retain people, if you can't, that, um, that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Cause there's, there's so many things, um, not to even get hung up on the money thing, you know, and, and I knew that was the case, but I, I know, I feel like that you've been in this, um, cause you were in this position before that, probably before that came around, as far as all those, 
you know, influx in dollars right. you know, available in funding. Like um, we went through this entire thing in society and culture to where it, it, in our country where we're past that now, I feel like, but like the whole defund the police thing and, you know, defund the, you know, the people who are working on the front lines, right. trying to, trying to be the ones who are trying to help you, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what your job is, right? It's not to just go out and you be scared of you guys. It's right. I, we're here to help you. We're protecting sir. Sure. But um, there's so many other areas that I just don't think are looking at the most important things. And maybe that's, you know, a lot of people will say that's due to like lack of availability of employees. You know, like we can't, we're not able to recruit the right individuals, but are you doing, going through the motions to do that? You know, like, right. are you spending some of your money and time on actually upping your recruitment game? Do you have someone in place that's, that's training in these individuals? Like just having to qualify when you get the position and then never do it again, you know, as far as like the physical tests right. and stuff, you have to do that one time, but right. From what I understand, it's just an incentive to do it every year after that. Right. It's not required. Like right. the, these, you have, you have officers that are, you know, hundred pounds overweight. They right. can't do their job. And that I see that as an issue, you know, right. but I'm also not in the position, but I do, you know, my wife's a police officer. We talk about these things. And, and, you know, before I talked to you, I was like, I want to talk to him about these, you know, these few issues because I do think that there's something that needs to be talked about. And I was like, do you think that's okay? And she's like, yeah, I think it is because it's something that needs to be talked mm -hmm. about. No, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, generally I will tell you that I think a lot of the result that you have, whether it be physical fitness, mental fitness, any yeah, of those yeah, things starts from the day you start interviewing an employee, which we require starting out. You know, we have a certain physical fitness uh, test that we, and that's most you probably um, wouldn't realize this, but you know, 64 sheriffs in the state, so 64 sheriff's offices, um, probably five of those, and maybe four now with population loss in one of those towns, but five of those are over 250,000 people, mm -hmm. I think, uh, in those parishes. And so, those are large agencies that, that are going to have, uh, you know, the, they will have recruiting departments and things right. like that. But generally, uh, you know, at least 40, 45 of those are going to be, you know, offices that are doing all they can within their right. means. Yeah. Uh, and, and so when I'll tell you that probably, and, and this is something else uh, that, you know, I'd approach Sheriff Arbuckle about back when he was the sheriff and, and it was, we had a lot of applicants because we, we do pay a high wage. We pay, even currently, we pay the highest starting salary uh, for a certified uh, police officer in the state of Louisiana. Uh, and, and that's, again, because of those blessings, but we still had plenty of applicants prior to being able to do that. Uh, and it was a lot of it was the atmosphere. Uh, you know, the, I guess, the, the feeling of, um, you know, being at the forefront of, of, of things instead of just, kind of you know old school stay in the way things are forever you know that that type of mentality and so a lot of that had to do with that but we had so many applicants in once that there was no way you would completely vet those applicants you may have three positions you were hiring for and of those three you would have 30 applicants well mm -hmm. you can't legitimately background 30 people um you know go through the whole motions of that and end up with, with quality employees without some sort of uh, requirement in between that of the, of the person gotcha. to get to the point of the interview. Yeah. So, 
you know, we traveled around, looked at what some others were doing that was working, that wasn't working, things like that, and established our current hiring process. Well, now, of those 30 people, before we ever get to the interview process, you know, we're probably only seven or eight of 30 make it that far mm -hmm. because of the physical fitness requirement, because of the other requirements and the background checks and all those things. We're very thorough with that. That way, when we, we interview those eight people, every one of those people should have the potential of being hired. Right. Um, and then there's things, obviously, you may see in the interview that, that could be key. You know, obviously, like you said, law enforcement's under a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. You know, so you have to be looking for those things in a personality that could be problems. Well, yeah, uh, because there's not... I don't want to say that just because you're trying to do this position, you need to be in top-tier physical fitness and look like an athlete. I'm just saying, like... You know, that's something to be considered that people don't don't think about or talk about, and, and it's an issue, but also the mental fortitude, that's a huge issue, right? Sure. Um, that's a huge thing we face with, you know, things going wrong, you know, making bad decisions. Um, those people who want to be Rambo, you know, and join up on the force just because they want to catch the bad guys, right. and, you know. And those are the things we have the responsibility of trying to catch before it ever happens, and it doesn't work all the time. And, and so, you know, you have to constantly recognize those things, but – you know, you were talking about the physical fitness yeah. piece. What I, what we tend to see now, and you, you you've made the comment based upon an observation of what right. you've seen, not yeah. what, not something that I've said. Exactly. So, um, what what I think you see is that if you start that process, and you 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 bring the people that you actually end up hiring are people who who have all of those qualities of what we are looking for then those things that you see are the culmination of, of actually going through the process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you hire, you know, the best. And what, what we find right now, and you see in locally, but even across, I mean, across the country, but locally too, is because of lack of employees, you see those standards being dropped to, I mean, really a, a, a substandard or even a minimal standard. And, you know, I, I've just not... There could, I'm not telling you there couldn't come a point to where, you know, it, it could happen, but it's really something that I would struggle with, with doing once you've set that standard is to coming back off of that standard because I think you ultimately, you may not see the results of that today or tomorrow, but 10 years from now when those individuals that you change that standard for are in leadership positions and things like that, I think we come full circle back around to where we have put ourselves at some point with all the scrutiny, yeah. you know? Um, so that's just not something that, that we're in a place that we we're going to consider doing. And, uh, you know, again, that whole recruitment thing is something that, um, it's a long process, you know, for well, what's us. that process. Look, let's walk through that because sure. anybody listening, watching, like, especially if they're existing officers and may want to, they're not happy where they're at, you know, right. how does that process work? So they can go online or they can call our office website and they, they submit basically a packet of their intention to test. Right. Uh, we offer testing generally once a month. Uh, so they come to our training center. They do their, their written testing. Okay. If they pass the written test, then they immediately go into the physical fitness what, test. What's the physical fitness test look like? Uh, it's, a, it's a run, um, set-ups, push-ups, Cooper standards, okay. based upon Cooper standards. Uh, and it is obviously age-dependent. Right. Uh, but it's, you know, we're kind of on the higher end of that, that scale um, of, you know, one of the reasons is, is when, when we hire somebody, if they're not a post certified or a, a state certified officer or deputy, 
then when they start with us, they start in the academy. You know, years ago you would start because legally you have a year. You can work one year without being certified. Right, and then you have to within that year you have to get because certified. You have to go to the academy and all yeah. that. Yeah, and so um, they just changed that recently, <clears throat> though, right? No. Oh, it's still it's still active. Okay. Yeah, uh, and and it it is, and so I've lived that experience mm-hmm. as a as a young police officer. I worked an entire year as a city police officer, not certified. And, you know, I had some guidance from people, but I mean, I was, you know, pretty much learning it, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, and looking back, which is one of the reasons that we don't do that now, but looking back had, you know, you can make a, 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 a let's just say you were a three month in police officer. Who's never had any standardized training. Who's never had, um, a legitimate FTO program, never been through any of that. And it was basically, go forth and be the cops. Yeah. And then you go do something and make a decision based upon ignorance of something that you never were trained to do yeah. or not to do your entire career, regardless of whether you can argue the fact that you weren't trained, your career is probably shot. Yeah. Um, you know, and then all of the things that we know go along with that, which is lawsuits, uh, you know, p- potential criminal issues, all of those things that, that take place, you know, so, you know, again, I lived that, and looking back at it, I was like, "That's not the way." That's a gamble, be. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and you're again, you're talking about, and I look at things in that perspective mm-hmm. of people's lives. Of, um, yeah, that may be simple for us to do as an agency, but well, when it goes wrong, what's that guy that has a family? You know, and and obviously, I mean, they're cops, so he gets in a potential legal battle. I mean, he can't go afford to hire a thirty thousand dollar attorney. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I, I look at things like that, and that helps me make my decisions. But, you know, as they go through that process of, of the the physical fitness test, uh, then the background takes us quite a while because we do physically background, go to their agencies, you know, request all of their information. These are th- if they're existing officers. Right. So you're well, gonna, even, on, even well, if they're not. What's, what's a flag for you? Like, what would you say if I see something on your background check, what would it be like immediate flag where you're like, okay, I just don't want that type of applicant? Uh, well, if you've had one that's had multiple cases of, um, use of force complaints that were substantiated, that's problematic. Um, you know, and and what you will find is those people who have those kind of problems that are, um, I would say instigators sometimes. Mm -hmm. If you, if you find those, a lot of times you'll find those same type of complaints of, um, from other, not necessarily use of force, but at, at least there, where they're having negative interactions with coworkers, things like that. Gotcha. I mean, those, those things are kind of a recipe uh, for. I mean, you kind of get what you ask for yeah. with some of that, and we just try to steer clear of some of that domestic situations. That, uh, and again, we 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 consider the fact that sometimes people say things that aren't true. Of course, of course. But these are things that like, that's what I'm saying. Like if this, if there's multiple cases right. of that, it must be, you know, come on now. Well, and then you have to think, you know, as, as a, I guess as the executive of my office, I hire this guy and now he's a liability to my office. Mm-hmm. But especially if, if we didn't do a thorough background and I didn't have that information, I guess I could, claim some ignorance here but if we do a background i know all of these things Mm -hmm. and then we still hire him you know it's just generally you've got such a a, 
you just open yourselves up to, to civil liability that you just can't argue. You know, you're going to have a hard time arguing that. And, yeah. you know, we're stewards of the, the public's money, and every time we aren't successful in a lawsuit, uh, you know, that's a that's the public's money that's, that's at stake there. Uh, so, you know, we... Again, all that starts just from simply hiring. We're, mm-hmm. we're just into the hiring. That's what process. I'm saying. That's that's the most important yeah. thing that people don't don't take into consideration is that um, these may be issues in different areas based on based on funding, based on you know, is the structure of the business up to date? You know how they're doing their recruiting. You know, are they spending time in these areas? Are they not spending time in these areas when they should? And is it just because they've always done it that way? Like right. you said, it's not so much a you know, of course that's going to cost more money, but wouldn't you want to spend that on the front end to save you more money in the long run? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so in this, you know, culminated a few years ago as well. And it was, I've watched this kind of take place in, in lives of people who had previously worked or I'd worked with. And generally you have, you know, you hire somebody, you, you, you know, we make them a deputy and they go and they see the worst of society. Mm Mm-hmm consistently you know Mm -hmm. you see things probably in one year traumatic events uh of of, you know just everything that you can imagine in one year you know i can tell you one of my road deputies are going to see more in one year of their life than most people would ever experience in an entirety of their life yeah and so you you do that and then we do that year after year after year and then they start having issues with whether it be alcohol or, or or any anything that they're leaning on uh issues at home, their marriage isn't successful, and then they become an issue as an employee, and they're gone. Well, they're 15 years in, and you've spent 15 years, you know, of, of one thing you can't, you, I can't send somebody to a school and, and bring back 15 years of experience. No, there's no way, no, no. Especially, in, and based on the area, because every single area is different. Right. You know, you're not going to get someone vetted, even if they're from another department, another state, and come to your area. It's The operations aren't going to be right. the same. The community's not going to be the same, you know. So it's it's as important to take care of, of their mental health uh, in that time, and, and make sure that we our investment, you know, that we, and I look at it like that, you know, we invest in these people, and we, you know, we 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 get them to where they are, and when you lose them, you've lost everything that they have they have brought and learned and 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 provided, you know, to the agency, and generally, and I don't know that it works every time, but. I will say I see it less now, and we implemented a, a mental health program. And again, this was prior to me being sheriff. I was in the administration, but something else I had approached to, and I'd personally gone through a traumatic event, had a, a, a new deputy that, in like re- literally weeks of him being out on his own, had gone through um, three traumatic events, which included uh, a double murder stabbing. Uh, Two children that were shot by their father and he mm. killed himself, uh, and uh, then him being involved in a shooting, yeah. uh, where you know rightfully so shot the guy, uh, and and the guy had pulled a gun on him as well. But like this guy's like six months in, yeah, and young kids all you know seen all of that, and you know we had a way that we did things back then. We sent them to a certain things to a kind of a. Um, it's like peer, you know, where you sit in a group right, and right, stuff. Yeah. And that works sometimes. Some people are okay in that yeah. setting. But we also have a lot of type A personalities in our, in our, just in, in this profession. 
And so for them to sit in a group and say and share, yeah, that, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily doesn't, work. All yeah, doesn't work well. Yeah. And so, but it can. But yeah. again, that can't be the only option. Right. And so you know, I the, we'd sent the guy to that, and he came back in, and I knew what my experience had been, and so you know, I set him down and said, "Hey, tell me what you think about you know all of how that transpired, and what what you think about the um, you know the, the the mental health piece of that." And he's like, "Well, you want me to be honest about it?" I was like, well, that's kind of what I'm asking. You yeah. Know? He said, uh, well, we, you know, if I was going to say something, I, I probably wouldn't have said it in that environment. I said, good to know. So um, we used to have a, a doctor here, Dr. Darrell Tuberville, died a few years ago. And, uh, man, what an asset he was to our community. He was a chaplain. Um, he, he's actually written some books you can read. I mean, he's he's, he's an incredible individual. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but I called him. He came and met with me, and and I kind of told him what I was thinking that we needed to do something different for our employees, um, or you know, and I just didn't know exactly what was out there, particularly locally here. You know, you go to a big city, there's things that may be available we don't have. Well, uh, he actually had a team of of uh, counselors that were first responder based counselors. Um, to the point they would come literally get in the patrol car with a deputy if okay. that's what they needed and ride with them in their environment where they're comfortable if that's what it took. Um, here in Bozier, one of the counselors is uh, works for the fire department here in Bozier. And so, you know, talked to him and told him everything I was thinking. And, of course, he was he basically said, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, you have to have options. Some people can go through a traumatic event. They process it completely fine and move on with life. Others... They may process it in the moment, and it you know it makes itself known later, and uh, you know so everybody's not the same. So you got to have options. So we you know we decided what we were going to do is basically, if, if it's even close to a traumatic event, we send everybody to go see the counselors, and then if the counselor decides they need to keep coming, then they keep coming as long as they need to. So that's that's one piece of it. But sometimes you don't catch that like it may not be a traumatic event, and immediately after that, that you, it could be a culmination of a bunch of events. Right. So now we offer, it's three sessions a year, regardless of, we don't even know about it. I mean, they, they book it directly with a counselor. Okay. So it's, yeah. Okay. And, so and, and it's not no, something, they, no have something to, they have to put a request into right. and let it be known that they have vulnerabilities. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, they don't have to do that. And it doesn't matter if it's marriage counseling. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what, what type of counseling they're looking for they can go and they can get that counseling. And if the counselor decides that they should keep coming, you know, then we work with them from there. But I mean, they can go, I can have a guy go today and I would, other than them telling me, you know, through an employee number, how, when they bill it, I mean, we just, you know, we just, that's, that's what we have out there that's available. And that seems to work super well. Um, and, and, you know, we utilize it quite a bit. And uh, so that, again, that's as important as, you know, the bank taking care of your money, you know, yeah. it's, it's, we're, we invest in these people. And again, these are, these are people we, we're a larger agency, but I mean, we live with these people more than we live at home. And so yeah. we're family with each other. And, and the last thing you want to see is one of them's life fall apart. And, you know, used to, you kind of sat by the sidelines and you'd say, man, what happened to that guy? And it's like, you know, I can't tell you this for certain, but I mean, we kind of built that person up. I mean, we sent him into all these crazy things and to see just crazy stuff and then wonder why, 
you know, he's not making sense right now. Yeah. You know, it's because you just kind of let him. And, and we, and I'm sure, you know, you seem to be kind of that way too, kind of a type A personality. You know, we, we, we're the ones that are supposed to be the strength for everybody yeah, yeah, else. Right, you right. know, we hold up the community. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to tell you because, you know, that's, that's for us to deal with. And, and that's, that's rough on. Yeah. That's, that's an issue. Profession. That's an issue. Um, that, Yes, it's huge in these industries, any of these industries, right? right? Um, whether it be police, fire, any type of first responder. Right. Um, because you have so much responsibility, and you're looked to as uh, some sort of resolve, and you don't want to put the burden of right. your issues on someone else because you're seen as the person that's supposed to be helping. Right. Know? You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that – I think well, I think that's awesome. I didn't know that about you guys either, but I think that's amazing. I think that's something you know everyone needs to look into. And I'm sure even if you don't have the um, – the funding within your infrastructure, I feel like there should be some type of state funded, you know, out sure. of grants or something that promotes that. And if not, that we need to, you know, push for those things because it's something that is not talked about enough. It's like, why are these issues happening? Are these issues that are going on in these departments, you know, with, you know, um, police officers versus, you know, with civilians, you know, altercations, things that are taken out of context, things that are looked at the wrong way, or why did they do these things? Were they at fault? Were, as our pre-existing conditions, you know, right. how have we analyzed these issues, you know, or are we just like throwing people out there in the wild and saying, Hey, go do your job and, you know, deal with it. Right. Sorry. It's part of the job. Yeah, Comes with the territory. Right. You know what I mean? And that happens a lot. I know it does because I've, I've seen it firsthand with people I know. Right. You know, they get thrown into an issue and they're just like, it's the culture, you know, it's just like having a conversation with another police officer about things that transpired. If you were to have that same conversation, if I'm going to have a conversation just because I know the world, so I'm okay having it. And, you know, I've had things I've dealt with in the past, so it's not, it's easy for me to talk about, but if you just go talk to another individual and talk to them the same way, we're, we're transferring information that may come off as extremely harsh, but it's, it's because you're hardened because you've experienced so many things. Right. And that could take a huge emotional toll on you in the long run. Right. Well, you know, you, it's it's kind of strange you know there's there's you can find it pictures in traumatic scenes and, and you know sometimes it's put out there publicly yeah. as a negative thing and you may see there's something terrible has happened and you see two firemen or two police officers and they're smiling this is a traumatic situation but yeah. the, but but what's not considered in those situations is that's survival for those you know they, they compartmentalize this is work because if I don't compartmentalize it like that, then I mean I'm going to be no I'm going to be no good to you. You can't do your job if right. you're emotionally invested right. in those situ- every situation. And so, and you may, but you may be you may deal with that later, right? You know, right. Uh, at home or right. wherever that may be. But um, you know, you just it, it's one of those things that's that's a survival technique. You mm-hmm. compartmentalize that in the moment. We, we're working, uh, and you know, you you just kind of disconnect from the seriousness of. Um, or at least the emotional aspect of the moment sometimes just to, again, that's just to survive. Cause yeah. if not, you go, I mean, that moment that, that whoever's family's involved in or whatever the case may be, that tragic accident or car wreck or whatever, you know, that's a, that's a moment in people's lives. That's probably the most traumatic moment could be the most traumatic yeah, moment they ever lived through. Yeah. And you know, these guys that are wearing a badge live through that day in day out like that's not it we do that in our parish probably 20 times a year just in car wrecks that's yeah. not including every other you know tragedy that happens and so you know that's a again all of that is where we have to be 
there's a mental adjustment that goes on. We just have to make sure we, yeah. we keep it in check. Yeah. There's just a way of processing that information during right. that time. And, and that's something that I think too is, is should be, or if it isn't, you know, part of the training process and, and then also, you know, downloading that information later on and how you deal with it. Right. Right. You know, and not build, not putting it all together at one time, maybe, you know, processing each one of those issues as they come, you know, as they arise. Sure. Um, well, so what about like, with the with the training aspect and with the you know you know the mental what how, everyone I always hear this like when you start at the um the parish like you have to go work in the prison first is that still the case is that it's not the case in your no, well, in your I mean, parish it, it is in some but okay uh, it's, why why is that <clears throat> generally that's the place they have the most openings you know and so okay so they just okay so that's just like where the yeah. first if they want to jump in real quick they got well take and, and even today generally. You know, to be a patrol officer, you have to be post-certified, complete an academy. Right. And that's gone from eight weeks to, you know, generally 15, 16 weeks now. So most people that are working in a jail, and again, that varies agency to agency, but a lot of those people that are working in a jail, they go to a 96-hour, I think it's 96-hour, jailer school, correctional school, and then they can work in that facility, but they can't work in any other law enforcement capacity. Okay. So one of the reasons that they, they put them there is they, they can get them to work quick. Okay. You know, and so, and then a lot of those facilities never post-certify you as long as you stay in the correctional facility only if you're going to transfer out to another um, area. Now, we, we don't necessarily do that. We, we generally hire for the position. Um, you know, if we have jail openings, we certainly, and we have road openings, we certainly offer that internally to whoever may want to transfer. Gotcha. And occasionally we do have a transfer, but then, you know, our a lot of those guys that work in our correctional facility, they're, you know, they, they like that. I mean, it never rains back there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's generally the same temperature all year round. Yeah. So there's some aspects that are, you know, positive. Now I will say for those that, that cause there are agencies that, that that's just their cycle. Yeah. I've, I've just heard that multiple times. I was like, how's that work? And so, uh, well, Bozier parish, for example, yeah. generally their cycle is, it doesn't matter what your qualifications are. You're going to work in the jail exactly. for an extended period of time and then move out to the road. Why do you think that is? Um, well, again, I think it would vary agency to agency, but I think the the thought is, and I see that even for those that, that we do that with, is mm-hmm. you work in the correctional facility, you, you interact with people of the criminal element, um, but for the most part, you learn how to, you learn how to interact right. in a way that um, – that can be, you know, you can be respectful to those individuals, you know, and you, obviously that's a constant in a correctional facility. That's a concentration of people who potentially have committed crimes. Yes. Uh, and, and potentially could commit more crimes as well. And so, you know, they have the, they get the experience of how to interact with those individuals. Uh, they, they get the experience of learning, I guess the, the tricks of the trade, because you'd be surprised at how many people that we have come to, to the, you know, come to jail and, you know, they kind of share things with you, you know, of, of how things are going, you know, or what's, I mean, how crimes being committed, uh, you know, in your, in your area. And so, you know, they, they learn to interact, but then be respectful, uh, you know, and, and, and so I guess what you have a lot of times is the people that they would interact with on the street, they wouldn't give them the same sort of, they wouldn't, there wouldn't be the same element there of respect because they haven't, 
had time to interact with those people. So they just immediately right. see them as a threat and, and maybe ex- excessive force, stuff like that. Uh, no, I would I don't necessarily know that. I think, okay. I mean, I think it's more the, the deputy's interaction and, and I mean, the, uh, the, the, whoever you're dealing with right. in the public, had they been in a correctional facility before and interacted with this, Got you. this Got officer you. Okay. or deputy, there's almost a level of respect that's Got already you. built there. Yeah, there's some sort of relationship. Know, yeah. They know, they know them. Yeah. Uh, and particularly, you know, those that are fair, respectful, um, you know, many times what you find is that they, they'll be more open and, and, um, and talk more openly to that person that they have knowledge of and, and, and that they've learned to respect in that correctional setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and so, you know, there's, there's a positive about working back there. You learn, uh, you know, how to deal with, with, well, one, you learn like particularly somebody who has drug issues, you know, them when they're sober. So you get to, you, you, you see them on the street and you know, they're not, you know, right. so you have all of the, and they know, you know, yeah, you know that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there's just, there is, there is definitely a wealth of knowledge to bring to the street. I think, um, you know, if that, if that's a cycle that works, uh, you know, for the amount of openings that you would have. And, and again, retention, if you take somebody who's and you know, their, their ambitions are to be on the, sh- the street and it's 10 years before they ever make it to the road that can create some, some retention issues because they're going to go at some point to where they feel led. Uh, But I will say too, and there's also in most correctional facilities, there's a benefit to stay in or in a sheriff's office where you have both pieces. There's, there's sometimes a benefit to stay in, in that setting because um, there are higher turnovers uh, in, in that correctional setting. And particularly, and in, in, you know, you got sheriff's offices that are small in the state. When when Parish, for example, that's a really small sheriff's mm-hmm. office as far as the enforcement side of things. But they have three hundred to four hundred workers, probably one of the largest employers in Wynn Parish that work in there. They have a, uh, I guess you would t- call it, it's a federal gotcha. detention type facility gotcha. that's operated. And so, you know, in that setting, your potential for moving to higher positions generally is going to ha- happen faster. So yeah. if, if you're looking at, at, at that aspect of things, of how can I, I move up faster, well, that, that's probably going to be a setting you can do that in. Yeah. As in the, you know, in the street level of things, a lot of those guys get there, and they probably not – gonna you know they're gonna be in those positions for a while and so yeah until be a little stagnant yeah yeah because i mean you're not gonna see as much turnover in the, right. that area and and yeah it's just growing the ladder right I mean, growing the ladder there's gonna be take a while yeah it makes sense that makes sense um so how long have you been doing this what age you start doing this 18 you're 18 years old so yeah. you just went straight out of high school into law enforcement mm-hmm. okay sure did. what made you make that decision um so my my mother uh was a was a deputy police officer okay. from the time I was a, you know, probably five, I get four or five years old. Uh, my stepdad who raised me, which was my, I call him my dad. Um, he's always been my dad. Uh, he's been there since I was probably about four or five. And, uh, he was a state trooper at the time. And, uh, my family, my uncle was a game warden. My okay. Aunt was the police chief in the town of Logansport. My, um, my, great uncle was a sheriff's deputy back when they only had five total sh- deputies at the sheriff's office <laughs> that was back in the 
you know, the early years. And then I had a distant relative that was previous sheriff, four or five sheriffs before me. And, you know, so not that, I don't know that that particularly had an influence on me, but more so my direct family and my best friends, all of their you know, dads and, and it was just you were in that family. You grew yeah. up in that culture. Yeah. And so that was just what I wanted to do. And I don't know that, um, I know certainly that, uh, you know, my dad kind of pushed me, you know, into, I was going to college too, and he kind of pushed me into, uh, going a different route. And, uh, and I would say it's probably because of the same way we see things today is, is, you know, when he was a police officer, yeah. things had changed so dramatically and that, that was back in 2000. So, you know, he had seen that dramatic change and like, you know, you really need to consider this. And, and back then too, you know, working at the sheriff, even working for the state police, they didn't pay anything. Yeah. You know, you're going to make less than $2,000 a month probably. And, you know, you, you just not, wasn't going to be uh, a lucrative decision by any means. And, uh, you know, he used to tell me, it's like, listen, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But no, you'll never have a nice house and you'll never have a, a new car and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> uh, and, and at the moment he said that, yeah. certainly he was yeah. right. But, yeah. uh, you know, that I, I started when I was 18. The, the previous sheriff uh, allowed me to, to serve as a reserve uh, deputy. And uh, I was doing like 20 hours a week. And then just like that didn't last very long. And I went full time uh, as a police officer. Because my mother worked at the sheriff's office, and at that moment, the sheriff's office was small enough. The the sheriff that had come in had kind of started wanting to cut out some of the nepotism that was there, and and you know it was a small agency, so you know you had husbands and wives and all that uh, kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. and so you know he he was trying to reduce some of that, and so he'd already done all of that, and then I you know I'd been trying to go to work there, and and you know he he the whole nepotism deal just wasn't going to happen. And so I went to work at, at a police department locally um, and uh, worked there for a couple of years. And then I, I'd applied. Actually, I, I don't know that I'd, I'd applied again, uh, but I was literally about to starve to death. And so I, like, I'd gotten married, you know. And when I was single, that little bit of money I was making was, was okay, I guess. Yeah. I could survive on it. But the moment I got married, it wasn't going nowhere. So <laughs> I... Uh, I actually left uh, and went to work at a friend of mine's business that uh, is oil field business, and I was gone about 35 days. And Sheriff Arbuckle called and said, um, "Hey, you want to go to work?" It's like, man, I've been trying to go to work for years. I don't. Of course, I want to go. To work. <laughs> so he he told me to show up next week. So I did, and and that was you know 20 years ago now. So uh, yeah, that's been a and that's what's crazy. That's been such a fast ride yeah. uh, of how we've gone from there to here in, in that amount of time. But my mother still, she, or she retired about a month ago. She worked for me for the last five years. Um, and that that's was, awesome. That was that's unique. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. unique for sure. <laughs> so, uh, and, and another aspect of that, and it's one I don't know whether you know or not, but um, when I was a young kid, uh, I was about 12 years old, my my biological father was not a, a good fella. He he uh, was quite the violent type, uh, particularly towards women, and uh, had a history of of uh, he was abusive to my mother. Had, had uh, you know attempted to hurt her, or kill her on several account or several occasions when she was uh, when I was a baby, and even maybe before that. But 
ultimately they divorced. I really couldn't have anything to do with him. Courts had kind of cut all that out, and uh, so I didn't didn't really see him a lot other than, you know, he kind of stalked me as a kid. Uh, I, ball fields were like two blocks away from the house, and I'd ride a bicycle. And he'd make sure that occasionally he would just be sitting there so you knew gotcha. it was a control thing. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. in control. Right, you know? right, right. So we actually moved, excuse me, moved around a little bit out of the local area and uh, kind of, you know, got away from that. Well, we'd moved back. My, my dad, stepdad, my uh, he uh, he was the on-call detective one night. My mother was a police officer at the town of Logansport, and we had all gone to the movies that night. Well, on the way home, my dad, being the on-call detective, gets a call uh, about a situation, and uh, and so we we end up making our way that way. And he, my biological father, had him and his uh, estranged wife had split up, and she had been basically in some protective. Uh, one of the, like a woman's shelter that where you you know they you can't find her. Yeah, I see. But she 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 they had some I had two half sisters and um, she came back if I remember correctly because she was trying to get custody of them which she didn't have at that point neither did he but uh, she was staying with some friends of theirs and he found out about it drove over there he shot uh, two people in the yard killed first one instantly. Um, goes in she's on the phone with law enforcement shoots her kills her kills another guy that was pretty bad off health wise and then comes back out deputies ends up end up there and 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 arrest him and ultimately he was tried and convicted and and sentenced to death on death row uh he ended up passing away about a year and a half ago if i remember correctly on death row not from just from health reasons yeah got you but uh you know so that was another piece of the puzzle for me that kind of put me yeah i mean that's that's uh, rough, where i'm man. that's rough well, man. and so i guess the part that I, I, I left out of that was um we ended up on the scene because my dad was like he, we didn't necessarily know what initially i mean that, you're talking bag phone days you know yeah yeah like yeah, yeah. Real, the full rundown yeah, exactly real time you know so we get there uh, obviously they kind of realize what's going on but um you know, I, I was 12 at the time and remember watching one of the guys that he had shot was still alive at the moment and passed away literally with us sitting there. Um, you know, and I still recall that like it was yesterday. So, you know, that, that had a lot of influence on me too as, mm-hmm. as to, you know, certainly that is, I don't want to say I'm trying to make up for anything because I'm not because I didn't, you know, I think everybody's their own person. But um, if I can do enough good and i don't know that you ever can but i certainly want to counter you know and and as well as anybody that that's going to do that to anybody else uh you know i want to be on the the other side of that to make sure that one that they're held accountable and two that we do what we can for a victim's family uh because you know it's super weird situation you know for me as a kid trying to process all that stuff yeah i can only imagine i mean that's a lot and you know i mean you already had i mean just growing up with the conflict of Constantly looking over your mother, looking over her shoulder the whole time. You looking over your whole, right. shoulder the whole time. Then that happening is seeing seemed like sort of sort of a resolve for you. But at the same time, on the other side, how much loss was connected to right. that? Yeah, I can only imagine that's a lot. Yeah, it uh, and and that's that's the 
truthfully, that's the, the the best way, I guess, to put it. Was there was finally a, the ability to breathe at that right. moment. But at uh, the but at the same time, yeah, people lost their lives right. for that. You know, so, that's a, it's a hard trade off. Yeah, but, that was that was a unique situation to uh, to experience, and one certainly that that I think impacted. I mean, me, but everybody else that was involved in that, and uh, you know, it's kind of a. Um, I don't know. It was just just one of those things that I think. Obviously, I know it changed me uh, in my perspective, and, and even changed I think my the maturity of me in my my life as far as uh, you know that I don't know. That's just a lot to process. Yeah, to be able to process <laughs> at it, that age, to be yeah. some maturity that what you're going to get whether you want it or not. Yeah, uh, and so you know that, and that, again, that happened all in the parish that I'm the sheriff of mm-hmm. now. So uh, that's it's it's quite strange to. Uh, you know, I mean, I even had that as a political attack when I ran for office the first time as somebody trying to connect <laughs> those dots. And that did not, you know, the public didn't take very kindly to that. But, um, you know, it's one of those, certainly I don't feel responsible and anybody would try to make me feel responsible. Uh, I mean, that's fine if they want to try that. But I'm, you know, I'm good good with it. But, again, the experience certainly uh, moved me to, to be, as I guess, driven to, to try to do the opposite of, of that, to give back and to, to, to protect folks as opposed to being a predator. You yeah. Know? Is, was your mom, was she a police officer at the time all this transpired? She was not when the, when the, it initially the, happened, like when you were young, she wasn't. Uh, well, like, not when, yeah. When all that happened initially, when she yeah. was going through the abuse, yeah. no, she okay. was not. Do you think that pushed her to be one as well? Do you think going through that may have, or, uh, you know, I think it could certainly, I don't know that we've ever had that discussion, but I, I would imagine that had something to do with yeah. it, you know. Um, you know, our family, my mom's side, you know, her family was, uh, you know, they were, and still are, obviously, they're like, you know, uh, salt of the earth, yes. good people. Yes. They, don't, yeah. you know, they, don't, they don't just do good because somebody's looking. They do right. good because that's what you do. And, uh, you know, and so in a small town, particularly like Logansport, you know, that was 1,500 people. Uh, you know everybody, so you know like those those kind of jobs like that would be something that you know you would you would try to do, particularly as a young single mother when you're looking for insurance and things like that. You know, so I, some of that all I'm sure played into it. But but then again, I'm sure for for her sake, some sense of because at that point, obviously he's he's still there. You know, exactly. Yeah, and, and so having that family of law enforcement around you was probably. Of some comfort. That's too. what I would think. You know, yeah. imagine you know have something to do with it. But yeah. Um, well, what's what do you think? What have you experienced through all this to where you, looking looking at it now? Like, what's something you never would have expected to go through, whether it be good or bad, in this entire run? Um. I, you know, I could. There's a lot of obviously political things that were 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 rough. You know, politics is a yeah. is a monster today you better not wear your feelings on your sleeve i yeah. can assure you of that but uh, I, I will tell you that the the saltiness of that the the uh, just how how things can how even in the small i mean we're you know you expect some of that on national pol- political levels but it, locally where you literally see these people every day mm-hmm. you know you you some of these people you've known your entire life uh, you know, and they, they say certain things or, or, um, you know, just, just, some of it's just so low. You just shake your head at it, you know, and you just think, uh, 
you know, how to, cause I, I can't, you know, that was my deal. Like if I got to win by, by being a, by talking, by telling you why you shouldn't vote for the other guy. Exactly. I felt like well, I most people run out of stuff to tell you about me. You yeah. Know? That's most people's campaign is, is putting the other person down because they don't have enough accolades to bring themselves, you know, to present themselves as something yeah. of some sort of official. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, obviously that, that's one of the things, but, yeah. I, but probably the biggest thing that, that, that I, I had as far as a struggle was, um, you know, we, I lost a deputy. Uh, we had not done that in my 17 year career. Gotcha. We had not, well, I'll say that we had one, one that was technically not on duty, but he was in uniform. That was, and it was a good friend of mine and that passed away, uh, just a year or so prior to uh, me becoming sheriff, uh, that that was was tough uh, and tragic. I actually had to deliver that death notice to his, his parents and, and wife, and that's uh, you know that's just something nobody wants to do. No. Uh, but and then had another deputy killed in a car accident, uh, hit by somebody that was under the influence, coming to work one morning, and that was that was pretty rough to deal with. Uh, you know, I she had been trying to go to work for us. She was a state probation parole officer and uh, had been trying to go to work for us and was working her way through the test, had taken the test multiple times and uh, was just an incredible person, positive, uh, you know, just one of those people that walks in the room and the room gets better. Yeah. Never has a bad day, yeah. that kind of yeah. person. Uh, and so, you know, she had only been working for us for about a year but had been working with us as a state probation parole officer for several years. Uh, and, you know, we kind of, I would say we recruited her because of, you know, that contagious personality, her, her, the way she handled herself and business. And, uh, and so that was, man, that was kicking the pants for sure. I bet, yeah. Uh, and then we lost another one a few years later, but it, she was working an off duty detail, had a, a, a heart issue and, uh, and, and, you know, died while on duty. And that's those, those things are things that I don't know that you ever, you know, you, you don't, you don't just become okay with all of that. Those are something every time it happens, it's like the first time, you know, and, and it, it, it certainly, it's a, it's something that nobody wants to go through, especially a new sheriff and, uh, you know, try to guide everybody through that while also trying to keep yourself together, you know, in that, that situation. And so that, those are probably the biggest shockers i guess you have because of all the time that i'd spent at our agency prior to that like i we never dealt with that right so and then of course you know we we go into we had one well we had a deputy shot which he, he was he ended up living you know what not life uh what a life-threatening situation but then the young deputy i was talking about earlier we'd had that shooting that he was involved in chased a guy all the way up to Blanchard and, and, you know, kind of a, he had, I think he'd robbed a casino over here in Bossier and some, for some reason comes to DeSoto Parish, but (laughs) anyway, we end up with him and, but that, and that was a 17 year span. That's, we had those two in 17 years. I take over in March and July, we have a shooting with involving multiple officers. Then in that, since then, uh, you know, from the time I took over till, uh, a few years ago and knock on wood, I hope I'm not jinxing myself now, but, uh, we've had five total that included an officer shot. Um, just, you know, those types of situations that like that was, we really didn't deal with those. Right. You know? And so certainly I would have, 
I never want anybody to be shot, but to be able to to have been exposed to the experience of, of all of that would have been helpful, you know, instead of flying by the seat of your pants. But, uh, you know, we, again, that's where all that mental health stuff that was prepared before came into play. The, uh, you know, we had all, we'd, we'd run these scenarios out should these things happen. And so all those things worked the way they should and everything was good. And all of my deputies walked away from those situations. Uh, even the one that was shot, um, certainly could have been a much different situation there but you know that was i guess one of the the biggest things that just was was like a a, a thousand pound weight on your shoulders yeah, I bet. Is, yeah. you know like please stop like what well, this needs to stop yeah, yeah. you know but uh again 17 years and we deal with it twice and in my first three we had done it five times and uh you know certainly makes you uh Makes you stay awake at night sometimes. Yeah, I bet so. Well, you like, what's your stance on like all these crime issues that we're dealing with currently? And like, where are you guys at on that? As far as like, what was, what would you say would be the best way to, to battle these issues and not so much head on, but just, you know, an all inclusive, you know, approach? Yeah. So, what, one of the things that's become super important. Uh, to me, because I've watched things transpire through the legislative session, le- legislative sessions previously, is starting in 2017, and this is indicative of Louisiana, but this is indicative of the country as a whole. We rolled back certain penalties because Louisiana at that time had the highest incarceration rate. We had 49,000 people in jail in 2017. We have 26-ish now, roughly DOC. Department of Corrections prisoners. So we have basically half of the amount of prisoners that we had in jail in 2017. But ironically, we have double the violent crime. Right. So I'm not a mathematician. That is not my strong suit. (laughs) But if you let, if you're only keeping half of the people in that were committing crimes, obviously of some serious nature, you let all those people out and now there's, this spike in crime, I don't care what anybody tells me. They can bring me a graph or statistic. It doesn't matter. I can only tell you what I see realistically on the ground, and that is that they are directly related. We're letting people out who have proved that they are not going to be functional in society to a positive nature, mm-hmm. and we let them out over and over and over again. So what I think, and I can prove some of, obviously some of that, Obviously, I can't prove everybody's statistics, but I can generally prove locally to our area. Uh, even with Sheriff Prater, you know, he has probably a larger uh, – statistically, he's got a larger pool of data to pull from. But it's that we, we aren't seeing all of these new criminals. We are seeing the same criminals commit multiple crimes. Mm-hmm. So when you say violent crime doubles, what they don't say is that we've had the same people commit multiple crimes that previously – should not have had that opportunity because they would have been incarcerated. I, I don't know. Well, I do know that the underlying problem is not something solvable by law enforcement. We are what law enforcement has become in society is the the fishnet of nothing else caught the problem, and so we we end up having to deal with it. Mental health is gigantic. We closed about. I mean, we don't really have a whole lot of mental health, particularly long term mental health facilities. Almost are non existent here. Yeah. Um, you have to drive them all to Brentwood. 
right? Well, Brentwood's not a long term. Right. That's a lot, not long term. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's just short term. Get right. them there and then you know, figure we had, out where to go had from there. one in, in Pineville for some time. Yeah. And there's one uh, they call Jackson down in Jackson Parish. Uh, that's, you know, it's a decent sized one. But, you know, there are what I would tell you about the incarceration of my facility is we hold 151 people. We're, we're probably not, you know, maxed out on any given day. But, but there are a percentage of those. And I would, you know, I'm going to be conservative and say a quarter probably should be getting mental health treatment as opposed to being in my facility. But what happens is they don't get that mental health mm-hmm. treatment, and then they commit a crime, and then I have no choice but right. to do something with them. And right. so what we are, and that's, that's across the country, same story. I don't I've, care. I've heard that multiple times. Whether you go people. to yeah. New York City or you come to the smallest town, you know, in Louisiana, what you're going to find is you have those people that that they just don't have options of how to take care of them and so the law enforcement ends up dealing with that issue so to go back to the root of the problem is that what what we see now and particularly with Shreveport but that's that is we see on a smaller scale some of that in our our parish as well is juveniles that are committing all of these crimes I mean, that's my lap's been buzzing here, and it's because prior to coming in here, I was texting and calling about a bill that is uh, going to be up for debate, I think, next week, related to the housing of, of certain juveniles. Uh, you can't get juveniles in any facility. They're all booked completely up. It's a problem. It's got to be fixed. Number one, that has to be done. So, you know, we're working on, on some some uh, solutions for that. But all of a lot of the negative run-ins, all of them wouldn't be fair to say, but a lot of the run-ins that we have with people, and if you watch videos and things like that of the negative interactions with law enforcement, what you will see is non-compliance. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm not saying there's not an, some example out there because I mean, certainly we understand that law enforcement is not some non-human species. They're, right. They're not flawed. There's some bad apples, and so there's some out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'll never, ever say that, that, that we don't have problems that we need to fix. But if you see those situations where, you know, there's noncompliance, there's all this anti-authority, that does not start in that place. That is where it culminates. It starts in school. It starts with either, you know, lack of parents or, or there could be a parent, but you know, the, the inability or the, the lack of structure to that parent or, you know, maybe they're not in the best position, you know, when they have a kid to, to um, you know, they may be working through things themselves. Exactly. You know? yeah. so, so that lack of structure moves into school. And, again, that's not a 100% thing. There are people who just, they obviously make their own decisions and they choose to go down the wrong road. can be drugs or anything. But I think that holistically we have that issue of where, that authority is not it's it's not respected here it's not respected in elementary school middle school high school and then when all of that was just disrespectful and you, they just got in trouble or sent to detention well, well in the real world when you become an adult like that doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. and so when you run into a situation with law enforcement and, and you've got you know this this nature of non-compliance well i mean that's that in itself creates many of these situations that we, we see 
But that's also, I think, what we see just with the, the criminal, when you're, you're asking about crime, mm-hmm. I think that's that's what you tend to see. I mean, we've seen, you see people do very, very terrible things. And there are people that stand up and say, well, it wasn't their fault. You know, they, they sh- you know, they were good people. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, that's fine. But ultimately it was their fault. Yeah. You know, they, they, they make decisions, but that's where we get to as we start removing responsibility from any individual anymore. Um, and again, you find that across the board with most major cities that, that, I mean, you arrest, you'd be surprised at, uh, you can arrest a juvenile and I promise you, you would think in an interview that they're talking to a 30 year hardened criminal that just in the way they talk in response to law enforcement, I mean, as if they're, they've been doing this forever and ever. And, and, um, I mean, it is, it is, it's something you would have to hear. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't believe it, that they would have the, you know, the level of, um, just that they, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are or what I've done that I've been caught with a stolen gun. What are you going to do about it? I mean, that's kind of the, the attitude. Yeah, and that's, I, I think it's important. That, I think it's interesting, too, that you laid that out that way because I, I that makes sense. Because like, most of the time we're like, when, when anyone's asked that question, especially in politics, it's like, well, we need to stop drugs and we need to stop this, you know, and this, this is an issue here, this one specific issue. But, I mean, it does. It does come from – it has to start somewhere. And if you start trying to regulate it, at an early age, then that's not going to grow into a problem later on. You're right. I mean, I completely agree. That makes sense. That makes well, a lot of sense. You know, I'm I'm, a, I'm an examples person or visual, yeah. I guess. And so, you know, it's kind of like if you're trying to take care of your pool at home <coughs> and, you know, you got some algae in your pool, well, you can, if you're, you know, this much off on uh, one chemical, but you're this much off on another chemical, where you know, let's let's see, you're eighty percent low on a particular chemical, and you're two percent low on this chemical. Well, if you want to, and I, I'm referencing this to when we talk about problems, there are many small problems in in, in that we can talk about. Of well, we need to fix this. We need to fix that. We need to fix right. this. There's many small problems, but until you, that's fine. But yeah. should we use our energy focusing on the Nitpicking like, the one like, little like thing. You can yeah. run to the store and just grab the two percent chemical and throw it in there. Yeah. Nothing's going to change. Yeah. If you the chemical that you're eighty percent low on, if we all focus our attention on that and fix that, man, then we're just dealing with the minor things. But that's the thing is we is because yeah, you're always going to have crime. Absolutely. But if you're letting a continuous influx of you know these young individuals grow into that you know environment to where they think it's okay and there's no accountability and that's another thing we're faced with in society as well as less accountability these days which makes it even harder on you know people like what you do you know because it's like you're you have society grooming these people that they don't have to be accountable for all these things they they do or say you know on social media or whatever right. it may be and then finally they get in a position of where they are held accountable and then they let try to lay the fault on you Right. You know, and that's just unfortunate the times we live in right now. So it's an uphill battle. Sure. Well, uh, you know, and that's just, uh, yeah, that's the nature of the political <laughs> yeah. beast, I would say, yeah. is there's always got to be a scapegoat and, uh, you know, somebody's got to, to carry, you know, that some, there's never a, 
it's rare that people say, yeah, they did some wrong stuff, but I did too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. That's not I happening. would love you to find me some examples of that because it's rare. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's I guess that's the, uh, you know, to me the, the, the bigger picture. And I don't, and again, I say that to say law enforcement needs to work on some things. But as far as how you stop where the moral compass, I guess, of, of, of everything is heading is, is like we're the law enforcement's interaction is the culmination yeah. of, of a long list of broken issues. Like we're just where it doesn't, it can't, it doesn't go past. It comes to like the head. The it comes to the head at you. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so when we deal with it, it's, there's, there's consequences and, and that's generally the problem mm-hmm. from there down is there's, there's few, that goes back to where we are with, you know, with, with laws and, and things in the country or in, and particularly in our state 2017, we started letting people out. Why is that? Is it just, uh, they, someone decided to convince them that the, it was overpopulation. We're spending too much money housing because at the same time, um, you're spending just as much money and resources, you know, constantly arresting these people running through the system and then putting them back out. You yeah. Know? Well, so you're talking logic. <laughs> you're talking logic now. But that doesn't apply to poli- yeah, politics, does it? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's uh, and that's where things get lost. Is um, when you start applying that logic of saying, absolutely, you may have saved. You know, let's say there's fifty percent of the people in jail, yeah. so you get to say that we saved fifty percent of that money. Right. Well, you might have. But what we did in the community, on top of the fact that there's a victim, that's the part that gets lost and all. And that's the part that probably makes me as mad and passionate as any of it is who, who, I mean, listen, I understand money, but on my hierarchy of how, what things matter to me, it's population, victim, citizens, number one. And then what we, you know, our finances come below that because if, if we not, if that isn't number one, then we don't, if basically our finances are number one, then we put the needs of the citizens and the, and our responses as, as something that is, uh, you know, secondary to, in our decisions. And that should not be that case. If we don't have, if, if we set our needs and, and where those need to be and we need more money, then that's when we go to the public and tell them that, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't necessarily, but, but again, that's, that's the, the point is that when they save money here, the victims that shouldn't have been, that are, and whatever their loss is, along with the community, because what happens is if you're not housing them and they commit another crime, then we're housing them on the dollar of the local taxpayer in the mm-hmm. parish at the expense of the local taxpayer. Yeah. Now, all of it's tax money, but you're taking the money that's supposed to go directly to things in the community or to the operation of our correctional facility and, and employees, and we're spending it on housing and feeding and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, just because I spent the dollar here and you didn't spend it there, it it that's no. you know. I mean, it, I I completely agree. And, and another thing too is you have if you have this environment of you know criminal activity, then it's going to take away from the surplus and sales tax taken in in that area too. You know, and, on retail and people going out and doing things, it's going to hurt the community on Absolutely. that level. It's going to hurt the community on how the community interacts with each other. Are they going to have community events anymore with each other? Do they feel safe doing those things because these, these things are an issue now? Like it's, it just affects, it's a, it's a snowball effect. You know, it is, it is. And, and then, you know, what you, what you tend to see is, is that when that, 
and there's examples all across the country of that. But when that element starts to win, when 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 crime starts to become something that you can't confine or predict as far as you know areas of where that may be, or um, you know you just went, you know it doesn't matter where where in that community you are that you're just as likely to 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 be victim of a violent crime or mm-hmm. your car being carjacked or things like that. Well then what happens is those those people that can afford to begin to move out of that community. Yeah. And that doesn't help the community. No, it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them. You know, and so that's there's there's generally two things, at least two things that make a community grow. One is is going to be schools and and the the ability for positive uh you know, growing schools that are doing well and, uh, you know, and all those things. But then obviously the second thing is going to be the safety of that area. Mm-hmm. And all of that affects your property values. And so, you know, that's like, you have to almost, you know, treat that as its own baby when, when you're on the higher, you know, in the hierarchy of parish government or whatever you're at. Like if you can't get those few things right, you will you will find no town that increases population or no community parish that increases population that those first two things that I told you aren't there. Yeah. When those two things, when you lose one of them, population decreases. When you lose them both, it's it's not even a decrease. It's a run for the border, you know. And so that's that's um, those are tough things to deal with. And the problem you you, you tend to find is. As those things start to happen, then you end up with the local community struggling for employees. Uh, you, you know, you you, it's just it's a it's a cycle that's tough, and I, I certainly don't know the answer to that. But well, this you've seen over time, multiple areas go through those cycles, and then the ones that have been able to replenish, someone had to come in there and make a change from how things were going, and unfortunately, that just always has to happen. It just right. takes that team of individuals or that one individual to, you know assemble a team of individuals it just it happens it's horrible to think about but we've been through this throughout history for hundreds of years like we know what the issue is but for some reason there's always some kind of argument because it's a it's there's some kind of other agenda tied to it that's going to save money somewhere make some more money somewhere else well it's 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 frustrating what what we run into today is is again we go back to politics and politics is the the football that we throw at each other and so you can't get out and have a – it's unusual, particularly the ones that are making the decisions. It's very unusual to be able to sit down and have a conversation and understand each other like – in that political world. Again, yes, I don't right, necessarily live right, in right, that, that right. level of political world. But in that, in that world, it's it's more about we already know our stances are separate, so – it's if can I yell louder than you? Exactly. You know, or can I? Can I? Do I have more friends if, than or you? Or if have? we're gonna find resolve, it's gonna be one that benefits both of us. Right. You know what I mean? We're, we're running in with both of we, like. Here's my agenda. Here's your agenda. We both are not gonna change, no matter what you say to us. But if we can come some some sort of agreement, if it's an agreement, right. it's gonna have to benefit both of us. If it doesn't benefit one or the other, we're not gonna sit down and have a conversation. Right. Like, it's just yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It, it it's it's a it's a rough go. Yeah. You know, with that these days. Yeah, man. I, I never even dive into the depth of that or you know just because it's like you can say all you want man like it that is always going to exist in society and it's just like if you can find your way to work around it and just i feel like be honest do what you say you're going to do then you can kind of avoid those things you know sure Uh, you know and i I guess the part that that bewilders me sometimes is the fact that i can't 
that the root of everything is there's no way you make me believe that the few things that I think are important and the few things that you probably think are important and anybody else we should bring in this room that is a productive member of society mm-hmm. that if they sat there that that they wouldn't think the same things are important, which is that one, I want to be safe in my home. Uh, you know, I want to, uh, you know, if I want to, whatever I choose to do for a living, I want to be able to do it, you know, and, and, uh, and be respected and, and make a living. You know, I generally think that's what people want. And then I, I don't want you to come take everything that's mine yeah. that, I, that I work for. You know, I think those, those three basic things are, are things that, that, that people want and they want to be able to have their kids and they want the kids to be safe and they want them to be educated and they want them to have a future. And I think most of us, when we become adults and we have kids, we kind of stop thinking about us or we should stop thinking about me. And you start thinking about the, you know, making sure your kids, you know, move forward in life and, and, uh, you know, they're, that they're able to be successful. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's the lens that we, if we're not, we should be looking through is, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, by the time you turn 30 years old, and I would say that's probably making you old, older than you necessary, but right, you're pretty right. much the, these days, set, yeah. set in your ways. Yeah. Now people can change and grow and learn and all of that, but, but their trajectory is set. And, and I think all of that to say that, I think that all goes back to when we want to fix the problems that are going on in, in our community, in our country, knowing, knowing what I just said, and statistically you can prove that. And that's, Actually, you should probably bring that down about 10 years. But generally, people's lives and their trajectories are set. And there are people that are obviously, there's that percentage that can change and do things. But, man, if we affect that in between those those two set points of, of well, you the see success. That. You see that, not to beat a dead horse, but you see that even in criminals who have been reformed. They'll come back and give to those communities, right. and those communities build them up and say, "These people, these people, you know, were on the streets. They did all these things. They've since, you know, got their shit together, and they've came back, and now they're giving back to the community." So, even on that side of the fence, you know that it's important to those individuals too, because they realize it's important. You know, right. shaping your youth and 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 knowing that the generation coming up behind you is just as important as you are actually more important than you. Cause if it, if they're not, then how's this cycle going to continue to, you know, grow? Yeah. You know? Well, I think, you know, one of the big things again, it's our focus now is as far as law enforcement goes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we recognized in the last couple of years that we've always, as sheriffs, we've always had a political influence in, in, at our state capital and as much as we could have in, at the federal level. But we recognized in the last few years that um, there are some things that get by us that we've not necessarily. And, and again, it can be the way the bill is written just in the title that, I mean, there's, there's hundreds of bills written pre-filed every year, just in the way they're written it may never catch your attention and look as if it's some harmless piece of legislation. But if you don't look at the text, it, it could have dramatic effects. And so we're way more conscious of that now uh, and and so we have a, a bigger presence, but our presence isn't to go down and mess with things right, that, right. Are, that are, um, I guess, in the scheme of public safety, don't don't make a difference. You know, that's not our game to play. Uh, but when it comes to public safety, we have got to be in the in the crafting, in the discussions, in the testimonies, all of those things. Like, 
we can't just take for granted they're going to come out the way we think they need to be. We have to be physically there, and when it's not a good thing for our communities, we have to be, you know, not not just present but vocal, uh, you know, and on record when they make those votes uh, and putting pressure on our, our local politicians, our local senators and, and uh, representatives that what we expect because we know what the outcome is. We may not necessarily tell you what's politically expedient, but we know we know what could and could that could help and could harm public safety. And so that's that's something that's that's just super uh, that, that we have as as sheriffs, particular law enforcement leaders. Period. We have to be involved in that. We can't. Yeah. Be you know. well, yeah, because it, people turn to you for answers for certain. Well, you're in a certain scenario where something happens, and, and they're saying, "Well, why is something not being done about X, Y, Z?" And you're going to say, "Because of these things." And you know, we're working on that. You know, right. and that's or, or we have no control. You know, whatever it may be. But like, yes, you need to be educated in those things. And if you're not, then you're just doing your 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 entire community. You know, at a service. Right. Well, there, there's some some expected changes. I don't know that this legislative session is the one where we're going to see dramatic legislative change uh, but I would expect the upcoming sessions in the you know next year and, and probably the following year we're going back we've learned what doesn't work with mm-hmm. what what was changed and it's our opportunity to go back and 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 make those changes that are certainly again there are people that um, that can be whether it's rehabilitated or uh, you know that can make changes and don't don't necessarily need to be in prison for the rest of their lives, but but there are people who have proved themselves. I mean, I, I was listening to an example. There was a big tragic incident recently. Uh, I mean, I won't say which one it was, but you know, you pull the history out of this this particular individual, and since January last year, you know, there's twelve, thirteen arrests for felony crimes, including weapons and mm-hmm. you know all that kind of stuff, and it's like. You, you look at that, and now now something tragic has happened, you know, and, and I mean, it's not like, it's like getting on a map and you draw a line from, from Shreveport to Dallas. Well, if you stay on that road long enough, you're going to get to Dallas. You know, it's yeah. like you see somebody yeah. who's on that road, and, and, it's, and it's telling in, in their, the way they're living their lives and the actions they're taking. They're like, they're pretty much right now, well, at some point, we're going to find that spot where somebody is going to be hurt or killed. Yeah, and you know the the point is in, in the criminal justice system is you try to, to curb that so that again it should be less about the person that's the criminal and more about the victim. But you know then you go lifespan of these particular uh, and there's give you a hundred examples if you wanted them. But there's where there's thirty forty serious crimes, and because of some of them because of justice reinvestment, you could have been a convicted of attempted murder and got out of jail early and then been convicted of all of these other crimes that that could be violent but you still you're out or, or whatever plea deals you come up with and then you've got this history of being this violent felon drug related you know like not just having drugs but right, being a drug right. dealer and I catch you with a firearm and that should be a very serious crime that like you know, obviously, you don't have that to go do good deeds with, right? So, like that should be a big one. Mm-hmm. And right now, that's not a crime. That's that if if that's one of those early release crimes that you're going to get out, you're going to do like just a percentage, a small percentage 
of time, if you get 10 years, if you do two and a half, and I'm talking real numbers, if you do two and a half, that's, that's a long time. Damn. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's the part that's like, we, we, we make those, those, we put those people back out to commit crimes again and have victims. And then, you know, we, we just call it tragedies and we, we, we want to defer attention to objects as opposed to people. And, and so those are the things that legislatively we have to fix. And I have, I don't want to say 100% confidence, but I'm pretty confident that we are going to make some headway on that, you know, in the next couple of years. But, you know, that's a constant back and forth. I mean, we see the opposite of that. You go to Oregon and they like drugs, for example. I mean, there's complete, as long as it's simple, you yeah. know, uh, personal use, it doesn't matter what it is, yeah. you know, and, and that's not successful. I mean, you can, you can read. That's not, <laughs> that's not working out very well. Yeah. They're having a lot of issues there. So, you know, I think, uh, Again, it's just to get back to some, if there's such a thing as common sense, um, you know, to get back to at least some middle ground approach to, you know, there are people, there was this big, you know, this, this line of thought that there were all these people doing life sentences on just like simple possession of marijuana. Yeah, that's something that's been been talked about a lot too since the you know since it's been made legal in certain states and certain areas. That yeah, I mean a lot of times if they're getting arrested on yeah, they're I mean I agree in the fact that if you just had a little bit and you're just using it personal use and you weren't distributing or trying to you know shake up society that maybe right. the penalty shouldn't be that harsh. But yeah, there's there's a lot of people not realize that these people were moving hundreds of pounds of this stuff and distributing right. it. And you know, well that's the part that's not realistic yeah, yeah. Is, is that. You know, when you when you if you would ask somebody that that talks that to give you examples of that, they're not going to give you examples of you didn't you don't have a guy with a joint that got pulled over exactly. in a joint that's not going to jail for prison. He's not even going to jail for five years, man. He's not. But I you, would tell you that probably in the last five years, at least, law enforcement before the law changed in the way that it did, generally, a simple possession was a ticket. Yeah. You know, or a summons to yeah. court anyway. Misdemeanor. Yeah, you didn't book people on yeah. that. No. Um, you know, and so that's not something that the law, yes, it's changed a little bit, but the law, that that change kind of happened before the law. Yeah, and it's a federally it. legal thing. Like, it's just like if you commit tax fraud, if you get arrested on that, no one, there's like, oh, shit, yeah, they messed up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's illegal federally. Right. But it, there's this other thing that's illegal federally in certain levels, and if you, you know, if you just like taxes or evasion or right. anything like that, if you exceed those, those, whatever those limitations are, then you're held accountable for them. And it's just the law. It's not, it doesn't matter if you think it's fair or not. I mean, right. that's the law and that's what, that's right. what we live in, you know, but I think it all boils down to this. If there's accountability, accountability delivered and served up on both sides of the fence, you know, whether it be, you know, just the, the person, you know, either side, whether it be the criminal or the, you know, the other person, if you're serving up accountability, then there's going to be life saved, no matter what, on both sides. Right. You know, like that other scenario you said, like there was not accountability served up for a certain amount of time. So, unfortunately, that individual is no longer with us because of those issues. Right. right? And, um, yes, it, it could be the other way around. If accountability is not served up to that individual, it could be someone who's not with us because of, you know, same thing right. on the other side. Right. You know? No, absolutely. But, man – I think we're gonna have to do another one of these because sure. <laughs> there's, the, there's so much more we could talk about. I mean, is there anything anything you want to leave anybody with, or anything last you know last words you have, or anything? Uh, I mean, one, I just tell you thank you for having, oh, yeah, having yeah, me for in sure. today, and certainly I'd be glad to come back anytime you'd want. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's 
one is it's important to be able to be candid and you know I, obviously I try to to mind what I say and say it in a way that's respectful to people but I yeah. also have you know a set of principles and uh, it's important that you know we we can be seen as even in leaders of law enforcement as being you know somebody that can that 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 thinks about things much larger than maybe people can anticipate uh, as well as just being open to talking about it, you know, and, and, you know, you go try to have this debate like we're not even a debate, but a conversation like we're having, it's not going to happen in a public forum and somebody's going to yell at you and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, just being able to talk candidly and, and, uh, you know, be, you know, be in a, been in a space that's just some, Two guys talking, I guess. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate that yeah, and, uh, and have enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap, man. I appreciate it.